Welcome to Extraordinary, an experiment in sharing part of my story, the chapters and life lessons I learned along the way from my experience writing a memoir. I'm hoping this podcast helps you see the joy in life and maybe even encourages you to write down your own memories. Okay, this is from the second or third part of my book and it's called Little Sister, Big Sister. And I have like this whole introduction to the the part and I'm not sure exactly how this is all going to get formatted, but for now this is what it's like. So I'm just going to read it as it is. Um, this is more of a work in progress than I even realized because I feel like, I feel like I was like, yeah, I'm done writing. But then as I'm reading through it, I'm like, oh, this kind of reads like a, just a giant essay and I want it to read like a book, but, um, it'll work out. I, I keep saying this, it'll work itself out in time and it, it won't work itself out. I will work it out. I, I've got this. Don't you worry. But for now, I'm going to read what I have. And then we can all just be like, wow, that wasn't ideally done. (laughs) And I'll fix it later. Okay. Big sister, little sister. I'm not exactly sure what this chapter will morph into. But, see, I thought it was going to be a chapter. It's a whole part of the book. It's a whole book part now. Because from doing the table of contents, I've been like, okay, that needs to be its whole thing. Because each one of these um, little spots about one of my siblings, I'm going to just make it to its own chapter. Okay. So I don't know what it will morph into, but it's morphing. Good. Okay, enough of the side notes. Back to the reading. It makes me nervous to share parts of anyone else's story. I don't mean to write about anyone's but my own. But some of these memories are so telling, not only in who my siblings are, but how they affected me. How I characterize and and remember them is a huge part of my childhood, so I'm including it all. Forgive me if I put, put it in a way that is anything other than accurate. But like I said, in the introduction. These are my memories. This is how I saw it and how I recorded it in my head. I like to believe I remember the good things, but sometimes it's impossible to know what bad lurks behind an interpreted good. So I'll just say, forgive me for not knowing the whole truth. And if my siblings ever read any of this, I'll say it a million times over. Childhood isn't easy, but I'm grateful to have shared it with you. I'm one of seven siblings, and I happen to be in the exact middle. I have three older brothers and three younger sisters. I know the middle gets a bad rep for being a tough place to be, but I love it. From where I grew up, I got an equal opportunity to experience life with Alton and Danea, Ben and Tina, and Sam and Kelsey. I also love it when people gawk at the idea that my parents raised seven children. It boggles my mind even now, and especially after my first child, Charlotte, was born. I thought people actually do this a second time willingly it was the bizarrest and i couldn't believe women put up with the nonsense of pregnancy and childbirth after the trauma of my initial experience but eventually i figured it out and the next go around wasn't so brutal growing up in a big family is awesome as one of the kids i didn't know any different but it felt nice to belong to my siblings and parents and i can't imagine it any other way as a parent I can't even fathom any more than I currently have, and even four feels like overload. To say I'm shocked my parents survived is an understatement. I don't know how they managed it, and to have us all make it out more or less sane is nothing short of a miracle. One. So then I listed out my siblings, and I'm just starting with one, and then... Okay, so this is how it is, and this I think might be the the only one I'm going to read this time. Unless I keep going, we'll see. One. Jeremy. Jeremy? Yeah, I didn't count Jeremy. Jeremy is technically my oldest brother and my only half-sibling. 
He would likely be equal parts annoyed to be included in or excluded from this book. But here he is in my memory, just as real as the rest of them. So he has a place here. I don't know Jeremy's mother, but Jeremy's father is my father. I always thought it would be cool if Jeremy could have been a whole brother. But he had other siblings and a life away from us with a mom and a stepdad who he probably considered more his father than my dad was. I think most parties involved preferred it that way. Every once in a while, Jeremy would come to visit. I only have maybe four memories of times he came to visit us. He is a year older than Alton. I think his birthday is in January. He used to stick out his tongue a lot, being a tease. I remember decorating sugar cookies and wrapping Christmas presents with him at the Donnelly Drive house, but he was never there Christmas morning. Jeremy has dark eyes and black hair. His eyebrows match his hair and slope downward like a concerned puppy, but his eyes are mischievous and always on the verge of laughing. He was a really happy kid. He always seemed very comfortable with us, like he belonged. I don't think I ever reciprocated that feeling, or ever will in this life. Although, I like to think I would have liked to. Okay, I'm stopping right there on the Jeremy chapter because there are some parts in this chapter that I... um. Okay, so since I didn't grow up, necessarily I mean I feel like Jeremy is my brother but I don't feel like I can comment very much on his life or my interaction with him um just because I don't know how he would feel about it so that's where I'm stopping with Jeremy and I just want to say that I always really loved seeing him um and talking to him and he was always a very like uh stereotypical big brother like he always really wanted to be the person that me and my siblings could turn to if they needed help with anything and he was just very um protective and um and and it was sweet like I I don't get to see him very much his life was never very well intertwined with mine um so we haven't had as many opportunities as I have with my other siblings to become good friends. Um, but he still holds a very special place in my heart. And I'm so grateful for the relationship that I have had with him and might someday continue to have with him. Um, but that's what I'm going to say about Jeremy. And I have plenty more good times with him that I'm just going to save for the book. Um and not to share on this podcast. Okay, and since that was such a nice, short, little chapter, I just wanted to add on a few thoughts that I've been having recently. Um, in regards to sharing your story, or I know that there's, there is kind of like this tug and pull to like get it out into the world, and I feel like this is very prominent with like social media and just emotions in general. Like if you're having, if you have like a, a particular... Um, view or opinion on something, how you just kind of want to share it. Like you just want to be like, I want to send this out into the world. Um, I feel like when you write your own story or you're living your own story, that's just a natural inclination. Uh, and I've noticed more and more that sometimes, particularly with the people I follow on Instagram who are, um, like professional influencers, they will feel like they have this obligation to share personal parts of their life with people. And, and I think it's more the wording that bothers me than the actual, um, act of being like, 
I feel like I owe this to you guys. Let me tell you about the the inner workings of my relationships and my feelings and my medications and things like that. And while I love the transparency, I also feel like as a society, we're not necessarily um, as in tune with the idea that it's okay to be private. Um, There's a lot of parts in your life that you're going to want to share. Like I said, that you'll like feel that um, draw to go ahead and start sharing something openly. And that's good. And that's good to embrace that. But at the same time, if you're like, I don't want to, but I feel obligated to, to like a group of strangers that I just want more connection with or something, but like necessarily, like, I don't really want to share this or like, I just think that there needs to be more introspection on that. Like if there is something that you don't want to share, you don't have to, and you don't owe it to anybody. If it's something that you don't want to share because you don't, you don't want to embrace personal growth, that's different. Um, but if it's because it's genuinely like something sacred and special and like close to your heart that you don't want to start a discussion on or to like get, um, criticism over, you don't have to, uh, it's not like there's like some bravery scale that like, oh, you have to push yourself to be more open. Um, some people aren't going to appreciate that. There's, um, there's a verse in the Bible that always comes to my mind when I think about this is like, don't cast your pearls before swine. There are some things in life that are going to be special to you. And the metaphor of like pigs, like not even caring about these precious pearls, that is how it's going to be in some, in some ways. So I feel like be attentive to who your audience is and your own personal emotions and, um, be reflective on how it's going to, um, affect your mental well-being and how also it's going to affect your relationships. And like, sometimes there are things that we want to divulge to enhance those relationships and to, um, lift a burden off of our, our like mental strain. And that's good. That's good sharing. But there's other stuff that's like, that's personal and it doesn't necessarily benefit anyone to send that out into the world so that you can be criticized and torn apart, right? Or um, even just like the criticism of one important person is really hard. So if you're ever feeling like there's part of your story or a piece of your life that like doesn't, isn't supposed to go out to the masses, then you don't have to send it out to the masses. Does that make sense? I hope that that makes some sort of sense. But like at the same time, like it's a, it's a two-sided coin here because like at the same time, it's good to share and you never know who you, who the one person you're going to reach that it will um, positively impact them. Um, so it's, it's not like there's a wrong choice and even still like doing something and then realizing later, oh, that was the wrong choice for me is also a learning experience and we can totally benefit from, from those and they happen all the time, right? Like we make mistakes and failures to come forward and be like, oh, that's not the way I should have done things. And now I've learned, you know? So, um, but yeah, if you are struggling with the idea of like, I want to put myself out there, consider your motivation, um, why you're feeling that, uh, that influence to be more open. Um, 
Transparency is awesome. But privacy, it's a little underrated. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, there are some things that I'm kind of like, should I share this? Is it going to be a learning experience for me? Is it going to be something that's like going to help other people in my life? Like there's just so many of those questions. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give you like a little insight into my thoughts there. And then also I finished the book by Ruth Rachel about her mother and, um, the one, I think it's called for you mom finally. And in some ways I really loved it. And in some ways I hated it. Um, it's a thinker. It's like one of those, it's a very simple short book, but it made me really think. And I talked about this like maybe four podcasts ago. So you probably don't even remember, but she was the author that found the box of things from her, her mom's like secret notes and like just stuff that she had kept and letters that she had kept. Um, and I feel like in some ways, the whole premise of the book was that her mom lived a depressing life that she regretted and that she put those regrets on her daughter. Um, and I can understand how that would happen, but at the same time, I'm like, how unfortunate. And a lot of the focus in the book was, um, a reflection of how Ruth Rachel growing up felt toward her mom And so I think she was trying to be true to that. And so she didn't really um, paint a little sunshine on the situation very often. And I'm a different person, so I wouldn't have done that. And in a lot of ways, I saw her mom's life and her her sacrifices and the decisions that she made and the things that she was forced into just because of the times, because um, women had different expectations when her mom was a mother. And, um, they went through the war and that was, uh, hard on, um, like gender dynamics because men were coming home and they needed the jobs and any women who kept jobs were like a disgrace. They were unpatriotic or something. And, um, so women were kind of forced into situations where they were at home mothers and, um, which can be a really rewarding thing. And I think that, it can also be a very depressing thing if you don't have the right mindset or um, if you're living in kind of a world of regrets and like wishes. Like um, she, her mother was also encouraged to do a degree that she thought wasn't um, necessarily her calling and then that she had always wished that she had become a doctor. So she just had like these unrealized and unfulfilled dreams, which I understand can be really hard. But at the same time, um, I feel like there's so much importance in, in this concept of enjoying the season. Um, it's so, so easy, like even for me to get caught up in like what I'm doing right now doesn't matter. And what I'm doing right now isn't my passion or my purpose or my, um, whatever, (laughs) like that, that, uh, your calling in life to be this magnificent person that you were supposed to be. And you just kind of feel like all I'm doing is washing mounds of laundry and scrubbing thousands of dishes and wiping all the poopy butts. And, um, if you, it's kind of like negativity breeds more negativity and positivity breeds more positivity. And so you, if you aren't focusing on or looking toward the good in life, then it's so easy to fall into the trap of this isn't who I'm supposed to be. And I want to run away from this and like, oh, I better encourage my children not to, to make the same life choices that I did. 
And this, all, this too got me thinking about like how my parents encouraged me and like cultivated the person that I am. And in a lot of ways, they were so unopinionated. Like they just, they were very like, you get to figure it all out. Um, a little bit to my detriment, like, um, not in the moment, like I'm fine with it now, but like, there are some things as a young person that you can't just be like, oh, she'll figure it out. Um, I feel like I got a very good foundation just by the religious atmosphere that I was raised in that was like very education driven and, um, and uh, progress driven and improvement driven. And so I always had a very like goal oriented mindset to become a good person, which is really helpful. Um, but like the, the communication between my parents and like knowing their opinions, they were non-existent. It was like, what do you guys think I should do for my major in college? And there was no suggestion at all. It was just like, whatever you want to do. And I was like, okay, well, I'm deciding between this or that. And they're just kind of like, well, whatever you want to do, which kind of led me to not choose, um, a, a path for a while. And maybe that was a good thing. Like you just, you just never know, like you never know what someone's opinion is going to do to propel your life. But, um, anyway, that's, that's another thing. Uh, but with Ruth Rachel and her mom, she, her mom was like anti marriage and like, just kind of, but she was in a marriage. She was in two marriages and she was just very, um, she pressured her daughter to be very, uh, career oriented, which kind of pushed her family away from her. And she struggled with some serious depression and some medications that got out of hand. And, um, yeah, she just had a lot of trouble finding her place. And so in doing that, she kind of went through this phase of, of pushing her family away from her and then her family being gone and like wishing they were somebody they weren't, which I feel like I see a lot in the transition of being the mom and then becoming an empty nester and trying to figure out what your next thing is because like motherhood is so encompassing, especially if you don't have a career on the side or, or projects or whatever, um, or you haven't embraced the season and you're just kind of like waiting for that to be over and then it is over. And then you're like, this is taking a different turn, (laughs) but then you're like, well now, like now I'm even more miserable because I've been like wishing away this time period and finally it's gone. And now I have nothing like now I have really have nothing, you know? And so I, I just feel like there was a disconnect in the, um, way that this mother focused and the way that this daughter focused. And I think that that's okay because in the end, it's a, it's like a thinker. Like you just kind of are like, well, what is the importance of work and what is the importance of motherhood? And like, how can we create this, this, um, this idealistic, um, having it all, you know, because can you have it all? I, I don't know. Um, but I think it's okay, whichever you choose, or if you try to choose all of it and you try to juggle all of it. And I just think it's okay, whatever ends up working out, but then just to embrace the season and be like, okay, I'm a mother right now. And this is what my mothering days look like. And like, if you want a job or if you're feeling depression, like sinking inside of you being like this, I hate this. Like I hate, 
I'm having so much trouble and like I'm trying to get myself in a good mindset, but I like, I can't stand this and it's not for me and it's like too hard or whatever. Then to look for the opportunities to change, like it, it is possible to be a working mother and it is, or it is possible to be a stay at home mom. Like if you're like the, the other side, like you've been working and you're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do both. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I never want to, I never want women to feel like they were trapped into a miserable life full of regret. Like I just wholeheartedly believe that there are ways to improve your life and, um, and that there aren't necessarily like one answer for every woman, you know, like I don't think that it's right for everybody to have children and everybody to have a career and everybody to have all those things all at once. And I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. Gosh. Anyway, this, yeah, this for sure took a turn, but that book has been on my mind. And I just feel like uh, you'll find it. I, not that I have found it, but I think that I will, you know, like you'll find it's not ever, I don't think for me, it will ever be balanced. I don't think that I'll ever be free of the guilt I feel over the way that I do things or the way that I could have done things or should have done things like, like, but that, so like, for example, like a working mom might feel guilty that they're not spending those early years with their kids or whatever. But I feel guilty when I go to the bathroom for too long or I feel guilty when I take a shower because, or like, I feel guilty when I don't clean the kitchen, you know, like, because I'm overwhelmed or whatever. And like, I can't balance self-care with whatever else is going on for that particular day. Like other weeks get better, of course. Anyway, but you're going to have some guilt no matter what. So you really just need to do what's best for you. And then on top of that, there's this thing that I say, sane parents are safe parents. Whatever makes you sane and happy will be better for your kids than you being like miserable and trying to create this amazing life for them to your detriment, you know? Anyway, I could say plenty more on this, but I feel like it's getting so long and it has almost nothing to do with my current, well, you know, there's connections everywhere. There's always connections. Anyway, my current chapter that I read, but that's what I have for today. And I will talk to you again on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening along and I'll see you. Bye. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm forever grateful to have you following along. If you're looking to contact me, you can email me at jenica.sparks at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to talking with you again real soon.